Have I ever read the Bible? No. Yes. I read parts of oh, the Bible. Yeah, I read the whole thing. As a kid, I did. I used to have like our own like special ones. We used to have like the child Bibles with like the Jesus and like the kids and sit under a tree and stuff like that. Like in elementary school, we read it, yeah. I've skimmed it. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, <laughs> the other guys. <laughs> I know the one about that guy in his colourful cloak. Um... Do I think the Bible is relevant? I think uh, parts of it are definitely relevant, but a lot of it might be a little bit out of date. I honestly don't remember anything from the Bible. I think the lessons that it teaches are anything, yeah. It's relevant to people, maybe for some people, but not me. I think the Bible is inspirational and kind of frustrating at times. In the 18th century, the French philosopher Voltaire predicted that the Bible would become a museum piece within a hundred years of his lifetime and replaced by more advanced philosophies. But today, the Bible remains the most popular book in the world, the most successful literary creation of all time. Each year, over 100 million Bibles are sold or given away. The YouVersion Bible app has been downloaded over 200 million times. The Bible is the best-selling book of the year, every year. In fact, it's so popular that it's excluded from weekly bestseller lists. The Bible would be the top seller every single week, week in, week out. Many people would say that the Bible is the most popular book of all time because it's also the most powerful. It has the power to change individuals and to change societies. On her coronation day, the Queen of England was handed a Bible with the words, we present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. The Bible is incredibly precious. The writer of the Psalms describes the Bible as being more precious than gold. Good morning. Good morning. There's something about uh, last week, but there's some of you that uh, started calling me Martin. <laughs> I, I don't know what the deal is with that, but that's all right. That's all right. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. How many of you have been to a library at least once in your life? Library? All right. I'm in good company. That's uh, one of my most interesting experiences when I go to the library. Uh, in the last 10 years, I've spent quite a bit of time uh, at the library. At first, uh, the seminary library up in Charlotte uh, during my studies, and then uh, some of the local libraries here. Uh, there are several things that distinguish a library from any other place. Uh, uh, I'll give you two at least. One, uh, there are signs you cannot use your cell phone, and you cannot talk loud. But at the same time, librarians could be heard all over the place. I really cannot figure that one out. Uh, also, library is a place where you can count on freezing even on a cold day. But what amazes me most is the amount of books a library can hold. Uh, it's the same with bookstores. I'm sure you've been to Barnes & Noble or... Um, what is it, like books a million? I mean, you turn around, there's uh, pretty much a book on any subject that comes to mind. I was reading the other day, uh, it's a little outdated, it's 2009, the statistics are showing that uh, uh, over one million books were published 
Think about this for a second. Over one million books were published only in the United States of America. In one year. In one country of the world. Imagine, I mean, we're just one country here and there's the rest of the world. It's amazing. It is amazing. What strikes me most, though, is the explosion in the number of books that are out there that supposedly would help you cope with life. Uh, from how to lose weight, to how to find peace in your life, how to solve your biggest problems, how to find guidance, how to train your children, how to become successful, three steps to that, seven steps to whatever, ten steps to I don't know what. The self-help literature is literally flooding the book market. Uh, the new books replace the old ones, claiming that they now have the right answers and the keys to successful and accomplished life. Uh, research is showing that uh, the amount of information... I want, I want you to listen very carefully. The amount of information that a person would receive during the course of a whole lifetime, a hundred years ago, did you get that part? That amount of information is equal to the amount of information included in one Sunday edition of the New York Times today. Think about that for a second. Think about it. Think about it. In such a day of, uh, I would call it an informational blast, informational blast, where do we turn and find truth? How do you know that you are on the right path of life and faith? How do you know that uh, the sources you're using for guidance are trustworthy and reliable, that you can really trust on them? They're leading you in the right direction. About 3,000 years ago, uh, there was a famous songwriter who wrote a song in which he tells us where he finds inspiration for life, he tells us about his source of guidance and his source of assurance that he is, in fact, on the right path. We find this song recorded in our Bibles uh, in the 19th Psalm. I know some of you are um, phone geeks and uh, internet geeks, so you probably have your Bible on the phone. Uh, if you have uh, an actual copy, <laughs> you can open with me. I'm going to read through those few words. Now, if a word or two are different in your translation, uh, don't get too anxious, okay? Here's what he says. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. Keeping them, there is great reward. David is one of the greatest kings of Israel. 
He ruled as one of the most glorious, most celebrated kings of the Jewish nation and in all of human history. But he himself was in a place where he felt he needed guidance. And that is what is so distinctive about David, a man who was called a man after God's own heart. That's what's distinctive about him. That he was at the highest position of a whole kingdom. That he was the supreme ruler of a glorious nation. That's one of the glorious times in uh, history of Israel when he was a king. And yet he understood that he himself needed direction in his life. Direction that he could count on. A lot of us, uh, we live our lives uh, in such a way that uh, we need direction, but we're convinced that uh, somehow we ourselves are uh, able to determine what is good, what is right, how to find good direction. Normally, we do it just by the way we feel about it. I feel this is the right thing to do. I, I, I kind of think, I sense that's the right direction to take in this situation. And if it doesn't work, if that doesn't work, then we turn to what our friends are going to say, or uh, then we go to some of those resources, books and whatnot that's out there. David recognizes where his true guidance is coming from. It is from the Word of God. It is from God's law. But why? What makes David so confident about this? I want us to look at those few characteristics that David is providing for us, that Help us uh, understand the way he explains his own confidence in God's word. And the first thing he says is this. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It is perfect. Now, I don't know how you describe that word. It's an abstract notion. Uh, what is perfect? What's something maybe described that is perfect? But... Uh, Perfect could be described like this. It, it means whole. It means complete. It means without any blemish, without anything lacking. It means that God's Word, in God's Word there is fullness. There is no glitch. There is no mistake. There is nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing missing. In every recorded word, the Bible is perfect. And you know why? It is perfect because it comes to us from a perfect God. It is perfect because it comes to us from a perfect God. In the scripture, you see, we have recorded God's very own words. When we read it, we know that this is exactly what God is telling us. God graciously allows us to know Him and to know His perfect being. He graciously allows us to understand who we are as humans in relation to Him, as creatures. He allows us to know Him and to know what it means to be in a relationship with Him as our Creator. Now, I'm sure that uh, you have witnessed uh, in the last few decades, probably, the Incredible development in, in medical science and uh, all kinds of medicines that have been developed to deal with different uh, physic physical conditions. 
And uh, it's very interesting because when they come up with a certain drug to heal or uh, to alleviate certain condition, uh, they advertise it, and uh, we get this message that it, almost like this is, this is the perfect solution. We got it figured out. And then one day, it turns out that it wasn't quite perfect. Uh, you start seeing those other commercials from the uh, law firms that promise you compensation. I see some of you smiling because you know what I'm talking about. They promise you compensation uh, uh, if you've taken this or that uh, medication uh, and you have suffered some pain or you've been hurt by that or if it's a relative who actually lost their lives because of using that medication. But you see, uh, with the Word of God, it's not so. Uh, there is no disclaimers. There is no small print, not even a remote chance that one day it would turn out that it wasn't quite perfect. The Scripture is complete. It is without blemish because it comes to us, it flows to us from a perfect God. King David says that the Word of God, the, the law of the Lord is perfect. It is perfect. But he also says something else. He says that it is also sure or trustworthy, depending on how your translation has it, uh, sure or trustworthy. Well, the Word of God is perfect, and that makes it uh, uh, trustworthy. If something is perfect, that you can count on it. It is faithful, it has proved to be reliable. It is something you can count on. What God says, that happens. I mean, it's just enough to look into the Old Testament and see those hundreds of prophecies that have been prophesied over centuries that have already come true or are being fulfilled in our day and age or will be fulfilled one day. I think scholars uh, tell us that uh, just about the birth of Jesus, there are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament predicting that birth and the way it's going to happen, the place it's going to happen at, uh, to the to the smallest detail. And that was hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. And it all comes to fruition. It all happens because it is the Word of God. You see, in some portions of the Word, God gives us advice for our lives that if we follow, then we always discover that it was true, that it was beneficial, that it worked exactly how God said it. In other portions, we have those warnings, things that uh, we shouldn't do, we, places we shouldn't go to, or people we shouldn't hang out with. And if we don't pay attention to these warnings, we end up in frustration or sometimes even in disaster. Uh, I think we've all discovered this truth uh, maybe on the road. Uh, <laughs> there's road signs, they indicate direction or they give us some warning about potential danger. I remember that one time uh, my wife and I were uh, driving from Greenville, South Carolina, trying to get to Pauly's Island. Uh, the thing, though, was to get straight there and not to go through Myrtle Beach, Conway, Myrtle Beach, 501, a lot of traffic. So we were trying to find a way to get straight to Pauly's. And uh, sure enough, we followed the directions. I mean, there's signs on the road. Uh, and I wasn't going to say that, but 
uh, I have to confide in you. I know you're not going to tell it anybody, but uh, <laughs> we even had the GPS working, okay? And uh, at one point, I had this uh, bright idea that if we just kept driving and took this turn and that turn, and that may actually shorten our trip, and that's what I did. And I, and I was driving, okay? So don't blame it, don't blame it on my wife. Uh, and sure enough, what do you think happened? Well, the GPS kept, kept saying, you know, rerouting or, you know, redirecting and searching new directions and all that. I kept driving the way I thought it was good and we'd get there. And sure enough, we lost our way. I'm glad those GPS people are not real people because it'll drive them crazy when you keep going the wrong direction. Of course, we ended up in frustration, uh, and uh, it turned out to be longer than we expected uh, until we got to Polly's Island. Uh, some of you have experienced uh, this in another way when you drove over the speed limit. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but uh, you normally know what happens. You get a... Why are you guys looking that direction? <laughs> Or Shana. Uh, you get, in the best case scenario, you get a ticket, right? In a worst case scenario, you may actually uh, end up in a car crash. I don't know if any of you have been in such a situation, but it happens. You see, uh, the Word of God gives us sure guidance because it is perfect and it is trustworthy. It is perfect and trustworthy. David goes on to tell us that uh, God's word is perfect and trustworthy, and it revives, refreshes the soul. Uh, this could mean that it renews us, it restores us, it refreshes us. But it could also mean that it brings us back uh, to God, that we can return to God. In fact, that same word, uh, we're told by scholars that it's used commonly to describe uh, that repentance and returning to God, to obedience to God's Word. In any case, by following the Word of God, we can be sure that we will be in the right relationship with God. David also says that the Word of God makes wise the simple. It makes wise the simple. Now, when it's talking about the simple, it doesn't mean somebody who is stupid or who is intellectually challenged. Uh, it refers to the person that is inexperienced, a person who is probably immature. Uh, that is when you, you lack experience and you understand your need for guidance and support. This is the person that is ready to seek direction from God. I'm sure there are some of us here who are such seekers. Some of us who understand we need direction. Some of us who know that we need guidance and help so we can know for sure that we are on the right path, that we're going to fulfill what God has called us to be and to become in this life and what God has called us to do. The Word of God is a sure source of guidance because it is perfect, and it is trustworthy. And as if this weren't enough, <laughs> David tells us even more. Now, 
when we want, tell, want to tell others uh, about something that is very special, we normally use what words? We typically say something is great, that is awesome. We say something is wonderful, amazing, it's stunning. But you see, David doesn't deal with these words. He's a poet. He's a songwriter. Oh, he knows how to use his words. He knows very well how to put those lyrics together that reveal his thought in a much more exalted, much deeper way. And so here's what he says. David says that God's word and his commands are more precious than gold. They are more precious than gold. Isn't it interesting when you think about it that a, a metal, uh, a single metal has become the symbol of preciousness, of value. I'm sure you've seen the, these commercials on TV that, that encourage you to uh, invest in gold, to buy gold coins or uh, to put your assets in gold. Why is that? Because they believe that there is incredible value in this metal put together. There is such a value that uh, no inflation and no other economic troubles would influence, impact it negatively. So no matter what happens, they'd say, uh, your assets or your value is still going to be there in that piece of metal. Gold in the time of David, just as in our day and age, uh, was one of the most precious metals. You see, David knew the value of gold, uh, but not because of the value itself. Not only because of that. Uh, I want you to remember, he was the king of Israel. He had a treasury at his disposal. Uh, he probably had tons of gold put in one place that were in his possession as a king, and they were at uh, his disposal. Uh, David probably had and had seen more gold than uh, all of us together. Maybe if you take all the churches around the Grand Strand put together, would ever uh, be able to possess or even see with our eyes. I want you to picture that for a second. He really knows how much gold is worth from his perspective as a king of Israel. He says it is more precious than gold, more desired than even much fine gold. David wants us to understand that God's word stands above everything of highest value. You see, the word of God by its truth, by its worth, cannot be even compared with any other source of guidance in this life. Absolutely nothing can direct you in the way the Scripture does. David doesn't even stop there. His lyrics get even better. He tells us further that uh, his confidence is such that he understands that the Word of God is sweeter than honey. Sweeter than than honey. Now, honey is certainly one of the sweetest things you can taste. I personally, if it's a good honey, I can uh, 
taste a few spoonfuls maybe and then I'm, I'm full. That, that's all I can take. It's so sweet. David thinks of the sweetest things that he could imagine in his mind. The sweetest things around him that existed that you could taste with your mouth. And he figures out that the Word of God is even sweeter than that. He helps us understand that the Word of God stands alone. It is unique in its taste. It gives us such taste for who God is that cannot even compare with any other taste. It gives us such a taste for doing what God wants us to do that we find nowhere else. The Word of God is more precious than any other source of guidance. It is more precious than any other source of guidance. Because it is the Word of God, nothing even comes close to compare with it. Well, friends, let me take this uh, one final step further. Uh, I think you would agree with me that today many things around us have the tendency, they have the appearance of precious value. Uh, there are many things that appeal to us as sweet, as desirable. There are many things that appeal to us as attractive and good. All kinds of teachings, all kinds of uh, self-proclaimed leaders and teachers try to make us captive of their teachings, their books, their TV shows, on secular Christian TV, it doesn't really matter. They tell us what to believe. They tell us how to believe it. They tell us how to live our lives. And let me give you a few examples. Like one of them, for instance, tells us that uh, you can have your best life today. His books are all over the place. You go to Walmart, you can, go by, you can bet it, go, just get it there. But you see, the Word of God tells us something different. It tells us that this earthly life is just a reflection of the heavenly realities. Uh, the Word of God tells us about eternity in God's very own presence. It tells us that uh, no eyes have ever seen, that no ears have ever heard, that it doesn't even come to human mind what God has prepared for those who love Him. How can you even say that you can have a best life today if the Word of God tells us something different? Here's another one. Another one tells us that uh, our minds are a battlefield. A battlefield of the mind. And it teaches us that we can change our minds. We can change our lives by starting to think differently. Uh, we can start looking more positively at life, at ourselves. Uh, we can repeat certain things to ourselves that will make us believe we're better. Uh, in such a way, we're going to feel more successful. We'll be empowered. We'll be able to deal with our problems. You see, being trained as a counselor, to me, this sounds more like cognitive therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy. Nothing against counseling. But you see, the Word of God tells us that we are, as humans, desperately lost without the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am! 
Who will deliver me from this body of death? He realizes the human condition of being lost without God. You see, Paul doesn't say, well, tell yourself certain things and you're going to feel better about your sin. Uh, Speak to yourself. Look at your internal value. And you're going to feel better about life. You're going to feel successful. What he says is, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here's another one. Another one says that uh, today is your day for healing, for a miracle. You can name it and claim it. You can believe it and receive it. I see some of you smiling. You must be watching these guys and girls on TV. I'm sure I'm going to step on some toes today, and I'm glad for it. But you see, the Bible tells us that God is sovereign, that He can heal or not heal however He wants. No one can really hold Him accountable for what He does or for what He doesn't do. The whole world is in His hands, and His will is perfect. He heals and restores as He wishes, and when He wishes, and how He wishes. You see, in the Gospels, we find one person after another that come to Jesus, begging Jesus for healing. You will not find a single example. If you find it, come to me and show it to me. You're not going to find a single example of anyone in the Gospels who comes to Jesus presuming that Jesus is supposed to heal them. All of them come with simple faith and trust in Him and with words like these. They say, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Some others say, have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us. Here's one last. It tells us that you're created to prosper, to be rich, to be successful. But the Word of God tells us that Jesus had no place to lay His head. What is that telling us? The Apostle Paul says that those who desire, who strive to be rich, fall into temptation. That the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. He tells us that through such cravings, through such obsession, some followers of Christ have wandered away from the faith and they have suffered a great deal of grief and loss. How can we desire the very things that can destroy our souls and our lives? If you look at the history of the church, brothers and sisters, just as we pray today over this map, are suffering. Does that mean they have less faith? Does that mean that they're less prosperous and blessed by God? 
Does that make them a lower category Christ followers? In fact, if you look at history based on the documents, historical documents that we have, all of the apostles of Jesus, those closest to Jesus, except one, died a death of a martyr. They were martyred. They were killed for their faith in God. 500 years ago, Martin Luther came to a conclusion that changed the course of human history. He himself was taught in all the knowledge, all the religious practices of his time. He himself was teaching those practices. He was training people in those practices. Until one day, it dawned on him that a lot of what people believed and knew at the time and practiced had nothing to do with the teachings of the Bible. And so by studying the Bible and by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he came to this conclusion that God's Word is the only reliable source of guidance to be followed. The only book that is divinely inspired and without any error. And this established one of the principles main principles of the Protestant Reformation used in the Latin language sola scriptura sola scriptura fancy words to simply say by scripture alone by scripture alone Martin Luther himself said a simple layman Armed with scripture is greater than the mightiest pope in Rome without it. Hmm. David tells us that in keeping God's word, there is great reward. Life, faith are established on one foundation. That foundation is the word of God. That is where we find guidance for an accomplished life. God's word alone. Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura. Remember those words. Friends, I, I want to encourage you this morning to cling to the word of God. Take it to heart. Read it. Study it. Discuss it with those around you. If you don't know where to start, well, how to continue or how to proceed, what uh, version of the Bible to choose or what reading plan to, to take. Come to me. Come to Pastor George when he comes back. Go to Andy. Go to some of us. Ask a question. We'd be more than glad to, to help you get started and to walk this journey with you, along with you. I think it's time for us to stop listening, you know, to strange voices from TV, from the radio, from YouTube, from Facebook. It is time to turn to the Word of God alone. Because this is the only divine source of God's revelation. Because it is perfect. It is trustworthy. You can count on it. In his own words, uh, here is uh, the testimony of a Scottish Doctor, W.P. McKay. 
Here's what he says. My dear mother had been a godly, pious woman, quite often telling me of the Savior. And many times I had been a witness to her wrestling and prayer for my soul's salvation. But nothing has made a deep impression on me. The older I grew, the more wicked I became. One day, a seriously injured laborer was brought into the hospital. The case was hopeless. He seemed to realize his condition, for he was fully conscious, and asked me how long he would last. I gave him my opinion in as uh, cautious a manner as I could. And then I asked him, uh, have you any relatives whom we could notify? The patient shook his head. His only wish was uh, to see his landlady because he owed her a small sum, and also he wished to bid her farewell. He also requested his landlady send him the book. I went to see him on my regular visits at least once a day. What struck me most was the quiet, almost happy expression constantly on his face. After the man died, uh, some things about the deceased affairs were to be attended to in my presence. What shall we do with this? asked the nurse, holding up a book in her hand. Uh, what kind of book is it? I asked. Oh, it's the Bible of the poor man. As long as he was able to read it, he did so. And then when he was unable to do so anymore, um, he kept it under his bed cover. I took the Bible, and could I trust my eyes? It was my own Bible. The Bible which my mother had given me when I left my parents' home, and which later, when short of money, I sold for a small amount. My name was still in it, written in my mother's hand. With a deep sense of shame, I looked upon the precious book. It had given comfort and refreshing to the unfortunate man in his last hours. It had been a guide to him into eternal life, so that he had been enabled to die in peace and happiness. And this book, the last gift of my mother, I had actually sold for a ridiculous price. Be it sufficient to say that the regained possession of my Bible was the cause of my own conversion. Friends, the, the Word of God, sola scriptura, is our only source of life only true rule for faith and practice, it could be trusted because it is the Word of God, perfect in every aspect. Amen.